It is Thursday, the 14th of April, 2016. This is episode 278 of Digital Outbox. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Digital Outbox. I'm Chris. Um, Ian's um, drinking his iron brew. I'm drinking, I'm drinking a bottle of water. I'm off iron brew. Yeah. Evening, no Chris. More. Hello. <laughs> um, we were just getting excited about Game of Thrones, which is only just over a week away, which is amazing. Yes. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to record our amazing rendition of the opening opening uh, credits, but it was it was a, a work of genius. It was um, epic. It was a minute and a half of me and you humming in time the Game of Thrones <laughs> soon. I'm sure. It was I'm dead sure. exciting. Dead exciting. It, um, was, it was far more interesting the next half hour. Oh, almost as exciting as F8. Uh, so Facebook's com- developer conference that it's been chuffing on about all its stuff. Um, so chatbots are the thing. We spoke about them, I think, last week. And they certainly formed a big central role in uh, the F8 con- conference um because facebook are opening up their uh their chat platform to developers to integrate into their own solutions yes so this is all around messenger Um they've released a chatbot api and they're also opening up it's kind of m what was called it's m platform that's now called wit.ai um, which which allows you to use powerful ai um for use as a bot i'm, I'm a bit confused by bots are you or is it just me well, I don't think I'm confused by the where they're going to go with them eventually, which will be to have these services, which are you know you you don't know whether you're talking to a human or a robot, and the robot will you know take care of most of the menial questions, say from one of those online web you know ch- chat with a operator now type things. Um, but they're not they're not going to get there overnight, and and just because you've opened up a platform doesn't mean actually there's there's not a heck of a lot of work for developers to do to work out how they can you know, respond in the right ways to all the questions that are related to, you know, whatever service they're trying to offer. Yeah, I, I, and, and I kind of I, I kind of understand that. I guess, the, the, so the bit that confused me was this massive, and it's not just Facebook, it's not just, you know, Google, there's a whole lot of different platforms and there's a whole lot of, um, I guess there's a whole lot of developers chasing after this bot market. You know, so even Telegram's, you know, you know opened up you know, new bots and done all sorts of things with its bot marketplace. The, the bit I don't get is we've had bots for years and, and people are now saying, well, it's because the AI is a lot more powerful and there's a lot more data there that it can react and understand and interpret. But it still feels really clunky for me to use. I, I switched on a couple of bots in Messenger and it's like, this is this is slow. I could just open an app up. And, and I'm reading analysis that, are, that they're saying that Facebook and other companies are trying to... Um, they're almost trying to, you know, kind of get into that app market. They've not managed to break Apple's and Google's dominance around apps. So they're wanting people to let suck everybody into you're only using Messenger and it stops, you know, and then they get all the data and they're the interface with, the, well, with yeah. parent people. But it feels really clunky to use. There's definitely that aspect to it, which, you know, just it's a land grab. Um, but, 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 but equally, it's just because someone's managed to put this snazzy and you know it's the it's the next shiny thing on the internet right which is 
talking about bots. So they've given this concept and now people are just sort of honing in on that concept. Like like you say, there's been automated sort of chat responses and things for, for a while. But I think we are at that threshold. Things like Siri um, and, you know, Google Now and all those kind of things have suddenly made people used to talking and asking the computer questions rather than having to type. And I think that's, you know, it's just, it's, it's based on that. And, and that we, I think we have reached that tipping point of it's, we can now talk naturally to the the computer in a way that's comfortable for someone talking rather than having to sort of talk in a, in a way that, you know, a computer might understand. You can, you can just naturally ask a question and it can just generally understand what you mean and what you, what you're trying to get at. Um, and I think you need to get to that level of computing before these things become really, you know, useful. So I think we are on that kind of tipping line. But say just offering a platform and offering that land grab doesn't mean that we're suddenly going to be there. It still requires a, say, a lot of work from this point. Yes. And I think we've seen we've seen evidence that so yes, it's just launched and they said it was a really you know rich service, but there's been lots of examples the last couple of days of people struggling with an interface, struggling with trying to turn things off because it can get quite some of them can get quite chatty and quite invasive, especially the news ones. Yes, and 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 Facebook, are, you know, this is you know another reasoning why they they're coming out is because they're offering companies the option to recontact people who have previously contacted the that company uh, with these automated chat services. So um, that's going to be a paid for service. Uh, so Facebook will make some money out of that, um, and and you know d- depending on what that automated response is and how useful it becomes you know maybe it's going to be a good deal for the consumer as well if if someone uh, has previously you know rung up with a complaint or spoken to someone online with a complaint then maybe they can be contacted to to offer them a you know a, you know come back to us and we'll give you this or whatever that's have i guess mar- that's have a mars bar have a, have a mars bar everything will be better um yeah Anyway, that that's bots, and we I think we yeah we have got a story a bit later. Or we could probably skipped it now, which is that yeah Telegram is it Telegram the service? I can't remember the name. Oh, it's Telegram. Yes, Telegram. Yeah, so they're 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 trying to sort of say, oh, we're still here. We've been doing this a long time now, and and you haven't really paid attention. They're, they're worried about their their loss of um, their market, and and they're a bit they are a bit screwed. They're, you can't go up against the might of. Google, Facebook, and all the others. Um, well, Telegram, Telegram as a messaging platform did has got a lot of traffic, so it's it, not. But it's but it's not. Well, it's you not know, five billion people around the globe, is it? No, um, and their bot marketplace is basically it's been around for almost a year, and it basically launched version two the night before um, F eight. Yes, um, and and it, it, it they're allows, rightly de- they're, they're rightly worried. Yeah, so but also allows you to do much more, so you can. You can you can send content, you know. So if you as a developer wanted to send, you know, a short video or a short, you know, MP3 or a short clip, a short photo, you can do in stickers and animation and all that kind of stuff. So far more richer experience, and you can integrate with other services based on a user's phone number, and it's something that Facebook's doing as well, try to you know log in around phone numbers. So there's a there's a lot of commonality there. I expect they're just you know, waving themselves around to see where they'll get bought. I mean, that's their probably best bet at the moment. I think so, and it's maybe it's maybe the it's the likes of you know is it an Apple or a you know a Google that sits there and goes right they're doing goes, something I'll, quite compelling. There's a there's yeah. a good start already. Saves us trying to work it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Facebook account kit. 
is their next login approach. Um, this will allow you to log in via your email address or via your mobile phone number. It's just trying to sort of reduce the barriers to sign up. So whereas currently you use your email password, um, the idea is that you'll just, you know, even more streamlined approach. And certainly um, it's gained traction or will gain traction in sort of the developing world. Um, and it's hoped that it's also going to lead to increase in users in, in sort of Europe and America. Yes, I, uh, we've talked for ages about passwords are, are crap and nasty and that's why people use easy ones and then they get hacked. And um, But but getting something different is proven, proven a bit more of a challenge. And, yeah. yeah, well, I'll say Twitter have their, had a similar service called Digits yep. um, and now Facebook have come up with their kind of equivalent of um, quote sharing on Facebook as well. They came up with a nice little solution whereby on a you know a, a site that's running with this feature you can just highlight some text and that will allow you then to share that text straight out to facebook um lifi had a very similar um service to this called side notes so it just enables you to highlight a bit of text and, and off you can share that to wherever you like um and again it's just another way for facebook to uh, integrate themselves into sites and offer that quick social share so if you're if you're a an author, you can have your site, you know, your book there. I think I think Amazon and Kindle are, are, are launch partners, so you can highlight some text in that book, and you can immediately share it out to Facebook when you feel that desperate need to share a paragraph from a book. I, I have that desperate need every day, and at the moment, I can't service that need. Um, maybe you should buy the new Kindle that came out, then we'll cover that later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe, or maybe not. Or maybe just just go. Um... Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Facebook have also unveiled... The, I don't know why I said Facebook like we haven't been talking about them for the whole time. Um, so they've also, <laughs> let's, let's turn our attention to Facebook. Uh, they've unveiled their Surround 360 open source VR camera. This is basically a, a proof of concept device um, that will record 360 um, film, proper 360, true 360 with up and down as well. Um, via basically it's, it's like a they're going to release as open source the kind of design documents the algorithms more importantly that needed to take this feed from I think they're 17 lens 3D VR camera um, and basically allow people to go and make it themselves and then easily sort of share and, and put that content around so they're not intending to actually build this thing as a consumer product but they are saying we were you know they they sort of saw a hole in the market as far as there wasn't really a true product out there at the moment that was going to do this. Yeah, and, and Facebook have kind of went, obviously they bought Oculus, um, the, the, you know, both themselves and Google and a few others are really pushing that whole 360 you know, video um, kind of environment. And we just talked before the podcast that um, Game of Thrones and, and they've released today their title um, video, which was always great to watch. Um, yep. But it's now it was a 360 video, so you can actually, well, the music's playing, and and maybe you can just imagine me and Chris humming, and um, but you can move around, <laughs> move around the title track, um, and this this sounded really good, and people were tweeting about it, and I was like, wow, this this came out of nowhere, a bit of hardware. It was almost like the old Apple, where it was like, oh, there's one more thing, here's, you know, yeah. something nobody expected, and, and and people were saying the video quality looks fantastic, and I was like, ooh, but just just to point out. If you go and buy all the parts, it's about thirty thousand dollars worth. So it's will drop though. It will drop in price. 
Bounty. Yeah, but, but yeah, so it's not a cheap. This isn't a cheap, cheap thing. And we are seeing consumer products which have come out with you know amazingly cheap prices now for three D sort of filmmaking. But this thing is capable of capturing four, four, six, and eight K video from oh. this, uh, dumping it at thirty gigabit per second onto a hard disk. This is this is capable of shifting a. Uh, I was going to say another word: a shed load of pixels. Yeah, this is proper high end. This is like. This, Proper yeah, this is, this, is, this is proper film capability at $30,000. And I don't know how much a film camera really truly costs, but it's going to be a, a lot of d- dollars to just buy a, a standard sort of you know film camera. Um, so, And as you say, there's other people that have done kind of like, you know, they're, they're taking GoPros and stuck them all yes. together. And the problem's been getting all the angles right, getting all the footage, importing it in, processing it. And I think this is where the the clever bit around this is it's like here's all the algorithms and here's the software to process and yeah so that post-processing stage is it doesn't have to do all the stitching because it's done it all as part of its process so yeah um clever stuff and and got a lot of buzz um from you know from from people who are in the know so yeah good for them um periscope is also under threat from facebook who announced today their um I, what are they calling this process that you can launch live videos inside of Facebook now if you are a company or if you are a celebrity? Yeah. So, and, and it make, it's just making it dead easy that if you want to broadcast live, you can just press a button and be broadcasting live to your potentially. But they were quite clear that they, they weren't really going after the consumer market here. They just want this yeah. to be a premium thing. And, and well, we're not premium are, people, therefore, we don't get it. They are, but they've also they've also shown um, some. I think it was a partnership with a particular camera, yeah, live stream, which makes the Mevo camera they did something with Buzzfeed, but also um, DJI, so drones. So they were showing you a drone flying around, and it was live streaming on Facebook, which could be interesting if it were, you know, nice drone crash live streamed to the world. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Vivaldi, ever? Well, let's move, we're moving on from Facebook now, and we we already covered Telegram, which was our next story, so we, we're not going to cover them again. Um, but Vivaldi as a browser, um, this is a browser from the guy who put Opera together. Um, this is designed as a high-end browser, yeah. based around the sort of Chrome's underlying um, infrastructure, but added what they're calling yeah, so um, power user features. So, so basically, going after the more geeky, somebody that wants to customize it, wants to, you know, shortcut it all, wants to do all sorts of fancy things that maybe an engine, you know, you know, like my my mum would talking be like, like, what the hell is this? Yeah, they're talking stacks of tab stacks. They're talking mouse gestures, fully customizable uh, shortcuts, uh, ability to move interface options around, and stuff like that. So they're they're going for, um, you know, that kind of fully customizable approach and. Opera in general was always founded around this really, you know, flexible, and they were very innovative with what they did. A lot of the things we use and and now know, you know as as being de facto norms in the internet browser industry came from Opera. Things like tab browsing and stuff like that all came from from Opera. So the the guy that set all that up is is now innovating into this thing, and it's version one. That's why we're announcing it as a story because it is now at version one rather than in its uh, public alpha and beta. So you can go and download that if you would like. So I just um, visited the website, so I thought I may as well install it while we're doing the podcast. What can go wrong? And um, <laughs> the, their, their website is very nice. So it looks like a, a Space Invaders game, and it's like, as if you're starting an arcade. 
to actually do the download. It's, um, it's nice. nicely done. A little nod to geeks. Martha Lane Fox, she has joined Twitter. Who was Martha Lane Fox? Well, she's the entrepreneur who set up lastminute.com and has been involved in a number of other boards, but she's been taken on by the Twitter board. Um, I I guess to bring her entrepreneurial skills to the table and see what she can do to turn around their 62 million operating loss from the last quarter of 2015. Yes, and, and she was behind a lot of the kind of digital initiatives around uh, about UK government over the last few years. Um, a real you know force for change. She's doing a lot around, um, so our charity just now is called Go On UK. So it was to try and get digital skills and get more people online. Um, an interesting thing for me is that it ticks, I guess it ticks a number of boxes for Twitter. So it, it's diversity, tick a different, you know, a different voice. So somebody's from that tech industry, but also not just from that, you know, West Coast. Not America. in that little silicon bubble, yeah. Yeah. Like but bubble. also somebody that actually uses Twitter a lot. So she's she's mm. always been a great Twitter. And that to me was something because I think the other person announced who I um I can't yeah, yeah, Hugh Johnson, vice chairman and chief financial officer of PepsiCo was also appointed, never tweeted. You know, and it's yeah, okay. I think it's important that they that they do take on people that actually use and consume the service and can understand it and you know, hopefully influence where it's going. Yeah, I mean, not a week goes by where we don't seem to be saying that people have, people have left or people have come on board. So um, let's see whether this sand settles a little bit. Uh, Amazon have unveiled, unveiled, unveiled their new Kindle. That's called a Kindle Oasis, and it's their most expensive one to date. £270 this thing costs. Um, and it's kind of... It's supposedly their high-end model, basically. So it's got a touchscreen. Uh, it's it's got LEDs for um, backlighting. It's their Kindle White um, screen, uh, and it comes with some programmable buttons and things like that, so you can use it. And it's it's designed to feel like a book in your hand. Um, but it does, yeah, it's quite expensive for a Kindle. That we're so used to seeing Kindles at under hundred that you know it's, it feels it feels expensive. Yes, and and they talked about. You know, you get a, get the leather cover, and it gives you a massive battery life. If you don't, if you don't have it, the battery life's okay. I, I just think, I just think it seems really priced too high. Um, you know, two hundred and seventy pounds is a heck of a lot. Of but then money. again, it's you know, Kindle has taken off. It, it is still popular. No, it has, but um, that's, maybe this that, just offers that. You know, maybe is that they're not just seeing whether... iPad range. I mean, can I not? Mm, not quite, and and it's still you know it's still focused at that reading level. The iPad is still not considered a great reading device. Um, anyway, I, 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 I know what you're saying. I mean, the Kindle, Kindle is definitely a better reading experience, but um, I still I still think it's a lot of money just for that for for like it's like that sole purpose. Sure, um, but then, but you know who knows? Maybe they've seen so much to take up on their slightly more expensive options and maybe by giving this option it kind of makes more people think oh let's go and get the cheaper one then you know it can be equally as just psychological offering that higher value uh, sorry higher figure one that people more people will buy the cheaper one so so um, so, so um 16 gig ipad mini 4 is 319 okay so it is getting close isn't it you know so that, and that's what i mean i just think it was so yes i know it's probably better you know if, if you oh, if all you do is read then mm. fine but i just think I just think the the benefit you get from whatever else you can do an iPad. And obviously, you can go and get you know a great Samsung tablet and Windows. No, you can't get a good Windows tablet. But you can get all these other you can get all these other kind of devices that are cheaper. And 
and that yeah. just seems a lot of money for us for a sole purpose yeah just um, me okay no, yeah just... no I, I i'm in agreement i think uh netflix is gonna have to put up Thank its you. prices <laughs> boo so if you've been on netflix for a while you'll be used to paying your 5.99 per month um but still getting what they're calling their um standard package which is their their hd content um and ability to screen on two to stream two screens at once um so for a while now they've that's actually been classed as their standard package which should be 749 and they're going to grandfather in everyone now so if you're on that package you can still stick at 599 but you'll have to be, com- be content with one screen and their sd content um so yeah 749 is going to be the new price i don't know what their actual i can't remember what their um full premium packages that includes their 4k streaming i think it was a, i think we said it was another three quid or something like that a month i can't remember exactly what we we're doing but this is going to happen in the us as well so they're going to get a little backlash yeah uh, it's difficult because I, I i don't know I, I don't think it covers how many people were actually paying that legacy price i you think know, i think a great deal of people in the uk were yeah are you paying it are you, are you yeah I'm, I'm on the 599 yet yeah so I guess... I, and I started I, quite a long way into the whole Breaking Bad. You know, they took on a lot of people because of Breaking Bad on the service. Yeah, okay. And I, I wasn't... I certainly nowhere near the beginning of that. I just uh, picked up on it. So yeah, there so are going to be an awful lot of people. So the interesting bit was that the research that people were putting around basically said they don't think anybody's going to bother too much about this. It's it's a small rise and it's not going to impact. They don't think it's going but to, they, you know, people but, will leave because of it. But when they say that, they don't, you know, they don't take on the fact that I've just had another email from Sky also saying that £3 every month is going extra on Sky. And, and, and then, so, you know, before you look at it, that's another, what, 60 to £70 per year um, gone without me getting anything more for it. You okay, know, so... so so let me ask devil's advocate. Tech, you leave Netflix? No, I'm not leaving. Well, there you go. There. So, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> so, but I, it doesn't. Well, I still, I still reserve my internet right to be uh, aghast and aflamed by it. I'll, <laughs> I'll go back to a discussion about April Fool. Outraged. I'm outraged at this. I, I, I am outraged. Um, Evolution, the D Drive Club developer, has been uh, taken up by Codemasters. So they are uh, the. I mean, I think Drive Club was once over its initial hump of problems. It was considered a good game, um, but it's because stunning. of the problems, it stunning. but because of the problems it, it it had, it kind of it floored the, the studio and and Evolution went under. Um, but Codemasters have decided they're going to take them on uh, and take on that experience uh, into their kind of core racing, and it's probably it's a really good fit, I would say. Absolutely, uh, I'm really chuffed because I think. You know they have made excellent games in the past. I mean, I've covered it before. Drive Club was just was just dead because of its internet connectivity problems. Uh, but but saying that, it, it, it's such a strong game. When I when I I got hooked on it six months later, just just yeah. loved it. Um, and the disappointing thing was the whole VR headset. There's lots of talk that, that Drive Club would have an update to support the the, the VR headset. And when this when when basically when when Sony said goodbye, you're like, well, that's not going to happen now. But I did read people were trying a number of different PlayStation games, and it was all tick, 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 Drive Club, instant sick. And seemingly it was, it was a whole, it's a whole theory about that the other games that were playing were more based, you know, because you didn't have something reality to click with, because you're used to driving, 
And as you went around corners, you were expecting, your brain's expecting a physical reaction. Default, it's not yeah, getting it. Yeah. So it, it, you became very disorientated quite quickly. Right, and I, yeah. I've, I've not, I've not tried headsets before with like a racing game, but I was like, oh, that's that's slightly disappointing. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether that is a yeah real thing. Uh, talking b- briefly of headsets, um, the Oculus delivery dates have kind of caused another storm around the internet this week. So, yes. uh, so if where that there was a sort of delivery date of of April offered, actually day one orders are now slipping way past that date. So. If you were lucky on day one orders, you're still looking like you're going to be able to get your headset by the end of June. If you're unlucky and you st- even though you ordered on day one, it's looking like, you know, it's going to be October um, and that probably stretch out to November at some point um, before you get your delivery, which means that Oculus did did probably what we kind of half expected them, which was they rushed the announcement that they're going to get out first. But actually, um they may lose ground now to Vive and to other products, including the PlayStation um, offering, um, just based on the fact that, yeah, the, there's there's a lot of annoyed people. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I think their their software and their hardware is still, sorry, their hardware is still sufficient that I think they will, I don't think they're going to massively lose um, the goodwill, but it's certainly upset a lot of people. It, it it did, and and I think it was the way it happened, and that people had been promised dates, and then they were getting an update on your shipping, um, you know, two months early. Yeah, it's just a it's 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 a failure of expectation. Basically, they haven't set that expectation correctly. Uh, with a you know a little bit more honesty at the beginning, they probably would have got away with it. And and basically, they're saying it's a component um, shortage. Mm. And. The other whiff that I was reading about around this was you know how they'd made the promise to Kickstarter backers, the original yes. ones, that they would get one. So there's now there's some question marks around who's been suffering. Has it been the old original backers? Has it been the new people that have plumped down $700 or whatever, $600, $500, sorry? And and who who's most impacted? You know, and it's... I think... I, I, as you say, it's just that I'm sure, I'm sure Reddit's I'm sure Reddit's exploded on it. <laughs> I bet it has. Um, anyway, that's the end of the the news and the podcast. Unless you got a pick for us. Uh, well, I was just going to follow up your Oculus one. Was just one other. There's a great post, okay. and I'll, I'll I'll find a link. But it was basically saying the Vive was the equivalent of the Commodore 64. <laughs> and uh, what? Not necessarily. Well, in what way? <laughs> a, a number of different ways: pricing, the technology. You know, and hitting it just, you know, it's the start of things. You know, if you think about, you know, people are seeing this, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a fantastic, but it is the start of something new. And hence, it's a start and not, you know, it's not probably what is another, you know, so you're, you're still putting on a headset and it's still quite pixely, mm. you know, and it's still not crystal clear, but it is the start Everyone of Everyone enjoyed this. going to the Commodore, my friend's house with Commodore, friend's house with Commodore 64, because their music was so much better. Uh, mm. Music was great. They they had a special chip, didn't they, for their music processing, which has just made a whole world of difference. Uh, yeah, in that world of pixel pixel graphics, uh, no, it did. Music won the day. Uh, but what they were talking about is it could be, and people picked it up different things. So it's, the article is the HTC Five could be a, a generation's Commodore sixty four. Um, but it's just, and it was talking about you know it's it's you know you can believe the hype, but but next the next few years really turbulent, and it's it's eventually I, we'll have a Windows ninety five. <laughs> yeah, but we but we touched on it that, that which one wins and 
which iteration of it and and you know you've even seen it with playstation it looks the most consumerist friendly that the cheapest way to get in but then there's this talk of there's a new playstation coming out to probably drive it a little bit better yeah it's it's none of the tech that probably people have bought two years ago is going to be going to be good enough no agreed but it'd be interesting living through that i think um like I say we've I've certainly i'm still i'm still highly interested in buzzing about it anyway there we go it's the end of yes. the podcast so if you want to find out more about what we are who we are what we do digitaloutbox.com is the website you can talk to us if you'd like info at digitaloutbox.com and also on twitter as digitaloutbox uh, i'm on twitter as cheesy uk you can find out how i got along at my races uh, last weekend academyracer.co.uk is my racing blog um and ian where can we find you Blog is ian.net, Twitter is Reaper, and usually we have a little chat about your race, but I can see you've done a deliberate tease. Visit my blog and find out how I've done, not I'm telling you what I've done. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Go on, exactly. Go and have a look. You can watch on Motors TV, 8 o'clock on Saturday as well. There you go. Do you know what? Plugorama. You've changed. I've changed. <laughs> I'll speak to you next week, everyone. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. So my my, my five minute test of Vivaldi is it's a nice browser, gives you customization options to start up with, but it's slower than Chrome. <sighs> oh, I'm there. It's just like I feel like I'm flying through the credits. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.